0: Welcome to Chowdering and Grits, the podcast for Virginia Tech and ACC sports. I'm Justin Cociolla alongside Tim Hirth. It's Wednesday, August 11th, and we're going position by position. Yes, it's time for that. It's that time of the year for the Virginia Tech football program. Tim, I don't know about you, but I am super jacked up about this episode. I uh, I keep getting super high, I keep getting super low, I just don't know what to expect with this football team, but it's going to be fun to talk about either way, but before we get into that, Tim, what's going on?
1: You know, not a lot, same old, same old, still dealing with some sick kids at the house. Um, you know, you and I typically do this intro in one take, it, You know, really the whole pod in one take, and it's just funny. I feel like we've had three false starts to recording tonight, the latest with my leg unplugging the cord from a microphone. So I just hope. I
0: didn't feel super strong about what I just did, (laughs) but we're just going to roll with it because I don't want to go back.
1: No, we can't. I mean, we've pump faked so many times. We just got to roll with it at this point. Um, So, yeah, it's starting off a little strange. You know, the foundation we've built this podcast on is shoddy work at best, but, you know, we're going to keep it rolling. And like you, uh, college football season is getting close. I've got the itch. Looking forward to the week zero matchup, the vaunted Illinois uh fighting a lion eye going up against Scott Frost, whose uh seat is anything but frosty at the moment. Um that should make for good week zero watching. And I think we get the the typical like Hawaii game at some point later on in the night. But um, you know, having a power five in conference matchup in week zero, um, you know, that's the kind of kickoff I'm 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 hoping, you know, and, and happy to see at this point. Uh, you know, not necessarily two vaunted programs, but it'll be enjoyable. And yeah, we get to talk Hokie football and all the good and bad things that come with that. So, man, I'm ready.
0: I just got to tell you, I love Nebraska and their fan base because that program has done nothing. Nothing. Basically, since uh, Eric Crouch won the Heisman. You remember him? Yeah. Oh, my um, God. Yes. Yeah. So that was back in the day. I think he was a converted wide receiver in the NFL, but um, yep, St. Louis. I just runs. love their expectations and the fact that you can bring in a guy like Scott Frost who did really good things at UCF and what is he in year three now? Yeah. And they're expecting like natty or or bust. So I love that. You know, I uh I love those just unrealistic expectations, but at the same time like you have to you have to expect a certain level of uh of performance for your program, if you if you want it to succeed. So I've always respected that about Nebraska, even though, I mean, I don't know if they'll ever get back to to the level that they were at previously. And you mentioned Illinois too. So Alec Bryant, I uh, saw he just committed. So he was one of our uh, three defensive end transfers. Um, so he has he was the last to to find a home. So. We'll see how that plays out. I doubt he plays this year yeah. um, at this point.
1: And I'm excited to see the Bielema era kickoff in Illinois. Um, you know, Oh, uh, wow, I forgot about <laughs> I that. think everybody did. Uh, but you talk about a guy that didn't cover himself in glory in his last outing. Um, obviously, Arkansas. That was a woo pig, sorry, I got to say. But um, I think Illinois made a killer hire It's also there. a
0: tough place to win, though.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. But uh, Illinois made a great hire. I think you know Bealuma strikes me as the kind of guy that knows what it takes to have success um in the Big 10 and and obviously at a conference where they like to line up pro style and bludgeon you to death with a two tight end set i think you know he's going to he's going to make the most out of that opportunity um and and maybe he'll see some success and and turn it into another chance at a uh you know a, a bigger school but i think illinois made a great hire and illinois made you know, I, they haven't been great, but I feel like they've won a couple good games in the not-so-distant uh, future here, so, uh, you know, there's a chance to to turn up the heat on Scott Frost's seat and, uh, you know, make a splash in his first game, so that'll at least be worth watching. Um, so, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, zero, Brett's a, uh,
0: he's a Big Ten guy, right? So, yeah. I, I always thought it was odd that he'd left Wisconsin, how he did, because uh, he had that program rolling pretty well, so... He strikes me as a guy who could be difficult to get along with, and him and Barry Alvarez in the same room would be entertainment. Oh, God. Um, just watching them kind of sit at the same table and never look each other in the eyes. Barry Alvarez, um, a.k.a.
1: Midwestern Phil Fulmer.
0: Yeah. yeah That's my hot yeah, take. I, I almost I almost think like Midwestern, like Tony Soprano. Yeah, I mean, that too. That's who I've always thought about, Barry Alvarez. That too. Um, but, yeah, you know, Champaign, uh, University of Illinois, great facilities down there. They would catch you off guard, uh, but they cannot get it going football wise. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if Bielema can turn that page. But talking about getting it going, that's what Virginia Tech needs to do. This is the year, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've been saying that every year now for the last three years, but it really feels like this is the year to to put up or shut up. And um, what what better way to kind of kick off our series of previews for the upcoming season, then to go position by position. So as I said at the top, uh, pretty excited for this one. It's a really interesting football team. Uh, we've had some interesting sound bites throughout the offseason, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks that we'll talk about. Um, and, you know, it's um, there, there's a lot of things to be positive about. Um, it's easy to be negative. I'm going to try to have as much positive energy. Um, I've got enough negative energy in other, uh, areas, (laughs) um, you know, maybe the workplace, but you know, we, 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 we work on being positive. We're going to embrace positivity and, uh, hopefully, hopefully we see some good results. So Tim, I want to, I want to start off by talking about the most important position on the football team. That's quarterback. Sure. And uh, I got to love this quote because this quote to me embodies Braxton Burmeister. This is an elite athlete. (laughs) He just looks like the people I'm watching on television in the Olympics. He's ripped to shreds. He's got veins in his abs. And let's be honest, who doesn't? He jumps out of the gym. He's strong. He's not a tall statured person, but he is strong. Reminds me of myself. He can do everything that elite athletes can do. He can run, dr- jump, and he has strength. <laughs> That's what Justin Fuente said about his quarterback. Right. And I look at Braxton. He was up at the podium, and uh, I guess it was what the, the first day of practice, and he's in flip-flops and shorts, and he's got his pads on. And he just looks insane. And I'm like, you know, post-football life, Burmeister's going to be a Peloton instructor. <laughs> I mean, hundred percent, right? It's a done deal. Like, has to be. Yeah. He, he just looks the part. I, mean, I don't know if that'll be in ten years. I don't know if that'll be in two years, but you know, good uh, high praise. You know, I don't know what it has to do with being quarterback, <laughs> but good, good intangibles, I guess. So um, that's an intangible the fact that now. You can have a, the,
1: the the chiseled what, abs are intangibles.
0: No, no. Not chiseled, veins.
1: Oh, veiny abs. There was so much lust dripping off that. If there's any doubt that there was was. a favorite last year in that quarterback room, I think that quote all but confirmed it.
0: It's felt that way, though, right? Yeah. Since Burmeister's been here. For sure. And when we saw that last year where he started the season when you had Hendon Hooker coming off a pretty nice... A 2019 campaign. And from all accounts, it seemed like he was healthy enough to go. He ended up playing in that first game of the season, but he didn't start. Um, it just felt like Fuente has always been in the corner of, of Braxton Burmeister. And I mean, this is the year, right? There is no quarterback competition in Blacksburg. And I, I think for the first time since Fuente's been here, uh, even when Gerard Evans came in in 16, like it was, everybody was pretty sure it was going to be Gerard Evans. And to be honest, I can't even remember who he was competing against. Um, I want Was it Brendan Motley? Uh, maybe. He probably was. Yeah. Maybe. I can't remember if he was there in 16 or not. Um, but, you know, there hasn't been that we're going to compete and we're going to see what happens. It's no – Braxton's our guy, and we're going to go that route. And so I think that is a positive, for for lack of a better reason to be, you know, not positive. But it's BB show in twenty one, and that's what we know. And it it really feels like Fuentes' future uh, with Virginia Tech is on the back of Braxton Burmeister, and Virginia Tech can go as far as as Braxton will take him. He's probably the most athletic guy we've seen under Fuente uh, behind the quarterback position. And, I mean, it's not like we've had unathletic guys, right? You've had Gerard Evans, who was very athletic. You had Josh Jackson, who wasn't bad. Um, You know, you've had a slew of other guys. Hinden was obviously very athletic, but he's certainly the fastest. Um, You know, he was named to Bruce Feldman's uh, freak list. The freak list. Uh, He was number 93 out of 100. And... The reason being, he's got the fastest GPS time on the team at 22.53 miles per hour. And so if you kind of put that in context to the can't wait right receiver, Jaden Payute, and I hope I'm saying that name right. Is that correct?
1: No, I think you are. That's the way I go about it. it.
0: It's a weird looking name. And I've got a weird last name, so I'd like to make sure I'm saying people's names right. But I'm going to go with Payute until I officially hear it on a broadcast. But he's a guy who can jump 42 inches. He ran a 10.6700 meters in high school, and he topped out at 22.03. Now, yes, he is coming off an ankle injury, so maybe he's still kind of dealing with that, but still pretty impressive that Braxton is, is running faster than him. But the big question for me, Tim, I think it's the big question for everybody in Blacksburg and any fan of the Virginia Tech program is, can he stay healthy? Can he hold up? For an entire season, because we're coming off a year where Hinden Hooker ran the ball a lot. He ran the ball effectively, but he was taking hits that you don't want your quarterback taking, running straight up the line, draw after draw, just getting kind of beat to hell on a, every other snap basis, it felt like. And behind Burmeister, we've got Knox Kadem played a little bit against against uh Clemson. He's a redshirt freshman. We've got the transfer from Texas A&M, Connor Blumrick, 6'6", 215, athletic guy. We may see him on the field in certain packages. Yeah. Maybe not. I,
1: I hope we would. We always say that size and it never and really happens. You know, I I'd, I'd kind of if we want to run some in of wild the turkey? the battering ram quarterback offense um the qp package if you will i think you know obviously he's a prime candidate for that but six six is big it's a load
0: 15 at six sticks yeah uh, that's that's kind of light kind of it's kind of lean yeah kind of lean he's raging so I, I don't know if he's that banger like up the middle he's, he might be the guy who you roll out to the outside or you do some like misdirection stuff with
1: nah you just throw him in there or, you know
0: our favorite play of the jet sweep
1: let him run over people
0: And then, of course, you got Taj Bullock, who is uh, the true freshman coming in, Uh, 6'4", 228. You know, a lot of people want to compare him to Quincy Patterson. Who knows? But um, he's your other guy. So those are your three guys behind Burmeister. Um, And we don't know how he's going to be used because we don't know what Virginia Tech's offensive identity is. You know, we're going into year seven of Fuente. That is still unclear. We have not (laughs) seen a consistent... Offense under Fuente, it, it, it has literally changed year after year after year. So to wrap it up here, you've got a former four-star, still a relative unknown. He's only thrown 84 passes as a Hokie, two touchdowns, one pick. He's had 182 yards on the ground. With two touchdowns. That was on forty-six carries. And his career numbers, you know, going back to Oregon, this is a guy who lost his starting job to Justin Herbert, who looks like you know one of the next star quarterbacks in the NFL. But he's only had a fifty-six point seven or fifty-six point seven completion percentage, just over a thousand yards passing, four touchdowns, seven picks, and three hundred and thirteen yards rushing on a two point seven yard per carry average. So the numbers aren't super impressive. One thing to be positive about, he did look much better against Clemson and UVA to wrap up the season, going 25 for 34, 339, and a touchdown at 40 yards on the ground. Yeah. That was the combined total for those games. So there was a little bit of something there to be positive about. But my big thing around this offense, especially at the quarterback position, is are we going to see that Big 12 action that we thought we were going to get when we brought in Fuente? Is this going to be a run-first offense? How many carries a game is Burmeister going to have? Are we still going to have all these QB draws? It's going to take a couple of weeks to figure that out, but unfortunately, you know, you're know, you going up against North Carolina to open up the season, so you better you know, have a have pretty good understanding of what kind of offense you want to run. But again, Braxton really dictates Fuente's future, and if it goes bad early, it's going to be really tough to rebound because Virginia Tech has all but one of their home games between September 3rd and Halloween.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, we go as Braxton goes this year. And the, the bigger part of what you talked about, the theme was the lack of an offensive identity, which we've harped on now for three straight years on this podcast to no avail. We can't trot Braxton out and do the same thing that we did last year where we looked like we had no idea what we wanted to do and kind of just gave up and said, you know what, we're going to tote the rock with the quarterback. We can't take those risks with Braxton, especially with the way the depth chart is constructed this year. There is no depth at the quarterback position, and that's not a knock on who's behind him. Um, We've just got no proven uh, starters, no known quantities back there, and that's not something where you want to risk. The one semi-known quantity you have, and I say semi-loosely there, um, by running him multiple, you know, 10 plus times a game that that's not going to work. What I do like is, you know, Justin speaking about his anticipation and how good it is, because a lot of how good the offense it can be, especially with the spread offense relies a lot on anticipation and, uh, you know, making the throws, throwing wide receivers open And if he's able to do that and add that to his game, I think that would be a huge step forward. You know, you mentioned his speed. While that that speed from the GPS is is insane, I don't think we've seen Braxton at top speed yet. I think, obviously, he was hindered the first couple games by COVID, which he had recently got over before that first game. You know, part of his health issues in that first game, I think, were probably directly COVID-related. Then you have the, shortly thereafter, his three, three, you know, three or four toes get broken on one foot. Um, He practices through it, plays through it. Um, But I can't imagine you're running at full speed with, you know, multiple broken toes. We don't know what we've got in Braxton. What we do know is we got a guy that'll battle, that'll play through injury. Um, And obviously a coach who I don't know how much stock I put in this anymore, but a supposedly a quarterback whisperer, should be able to identify talent at that position, is very, very, very high on. Obviously, you know, as that excerpt from the romance novel that you read in the uh, beginning of this uh, segment here kind of uh, portrays...
0: Veiny abs. Veiny
1: abs. Veiny abs. So... As uncomfortable as those two words make me when put together in that sequence, I got to say, part of me thinks there is a chance that Braxton can come out and have a pretty transcendent season. Um, It's rare you get a guy with his athletic ability at quarterback in college football who doesn't have sort of a baseline of success that's already higher than someone without those athletic talents. Where in games where the arm may be off or the offensive line may be struggling, that speed can keep you in the game and keep you winning games. And as long as it's schemed properly, I think it's fine. The trap we're going to have to avoid is seeing that speed and wanting to run a quarterback power or quarterback draw every other play. Yeah, that That's not going to win us football games. What will win us football games are rollouts, uh, you know, getting him sideline to sideline, making throws a little easier for him, improving our route concepts, and making you know making the throws as easy as possible on a guy who's struggled. Um, you know, I guess is a kind way to put it at this level uh, to effectively throw the ball, reduce you know his interceptions. Right now, that's the key to me. When you look at Braxton, your worry with him is can he throw? the football accurately and avoid costly turnovers. If he's able to do that, if he's able to manage the game, and I think we saw two glimpses of a semi-healthy Braxton at the end of the year that should give um, even the the biggest pessimist among us a little ray of hope um, that there's a good quarterback uh, buried underneath all those abs. And, uh, you know, I I think there's a chance. But we have to avoid our pitfalls from a coaching perspective on you know blocks we've stumbled on in the past. If we can't be more creative, if if we can't make sure we limit you know the contact that he takes, uh, we're going to be in for a bad time. Sad to say.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think the biggest thing I'm looking for from Burmeister is I don't know if he's going to have numbers that like jump off the page at you, but what I just want to see from him is he is more than a game manager, and he's going to be a guy who isn't the reason you lost the game. And I think if he can be that guy and if he can break off a big play and if he can be consistent through the air, I'm imagining some kind of West coast offense with him because we haven't seen, it didn't appear to me that he's got a tremendous amount of arm strength to get the ball down the field. At least at times last season, I don't know if it was an injury or not, but he seemed to struggle on the deep ball. And You know, we've got some home run hitters on this offense that if he can figure that out or, you know, if he's over an injury or whatever it is and he's worked on it and he can get that deep ball going, um, I think this offense has a chance to be be really solid. But that's the biggest thing I'm looking for from him. If he can at least be that and then anything else after that, I think Virginia Tech has a really good chance in just about every single game that they have on their schedule because they don't have a world beater of a schedule. They've got two difficult games in the first four or five with UNC and Notre Dame. Otherwise, those are games that they should be winning, you know, and I expect them to win no matter where their program is at, but will they win them is the question. And how do they compete in those games against a higher level of competition? But that that's, that's the biggest thing for me in Burmeister. And, you know, I don't want to say like, well, you know, he hasn't really done much in his career. Well, He really hasn't been the guy yet. No, No. so I want to be clear in that as well. He's never fully had the reins, and even when he was at Oregon, like he lost his job to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert was a top five pick in the NFL. I'll, I'll let that slide, okay? Four star, five star, whatever. The guy was a top five pick in the NFL draft, and he's playing at a high level. So I think Justin Herbert had some talent. So he's a young guy. He was young at Oregon. You know, he's had some more time in this offense to learn the system. I think this is year three now. Last year was such an odd season. So I'm willing to put that behind, kind of take what happened in the last two games and, you know, see what he can do. But, um, and I let, really think,
1: and we'll, let, let's not forget one of the biggest aspects that Oregon tenure his head coach was Willie Taggart. And yeah, I think getting out from under a Great guy, like head coach. Willie Taggart. <laughs> Probably a good thing. Um, Where
0: is a willing now? Oh, Florida Atlantic. Wow, what happened? Where did he go between Oregon and?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Florida State. Go Knowles. Um, Yikes. Yeah, rough. Uh, but anyway, that that just just speaking to kind of the the rough situation that he was thrown in as a freshman without a lot of experience, kind of baptism by fire. Not everybody handles that the same way, not to mention the coaching he was probably getting was iffy at best, not a knock on Willie, just speaking facts here. Um, He's got the reins now. He's got, you know, he, he had the time learning on the sidelines. If you get a game manager a la Ken Dorsey that can make plays with his legs when they break down, um... I think that's enough, as you alluded to, given what we have on the edge and the playmakers we have in the backfield and at tight end.
0: So let's move on to running backs. You know. I think uh, Virginia has like forty-five, forty six running backs on the roster right now. Something like that. The the big thing to worry about is Khalil Herbert is in Chicago, unfortunately, playing for the Bears. If you're a Packers fan like myself. Anyway, the job is up for grabs, and I think it feels like the job is Jalen Holston's or Raheem Blackshear's at the moment. I think Keshawn King is in the mix. I think he'll get some carries, more action than he got last year. But I think uh, if you read between the lines of some quotes we've heard this off season, I think there's still some growing up to do there for Sh- Keshawn. Uh, it's been probably his biggest challenge since he's been in Blacksburg, that and keeping weight, uh, keeping weight on. So um, it sounds like he's making strides. It sounds like the coaches have been uh, making good progress, but there's still some room for improvement there. So I think what we're going to see is Jalen Holston probably as your lead back. Raheem Blackshear I think really fits in well as your kind of uh, third down back, you know, a guy that you can stick in in the slot. Um, you know, maybe come into the backfield with Holston at times. But I'm looking forward to seeing Jalen Holston, if he does get the starting job and if he can really grab this position by uh, by the neck. You know, he's the guy who he's battled injuries for the majority of his career. But last season in limited action because Khalil Herbert was so good, I mean, Agent Zero ran hard. Yeah, sure did. I mean, he ran Angry, he looked like Marshawn Lynch out there at times, and I I loved that kind of tenacity that he brought to the offense. And if he can bring that on a week in, week out basis, stay on the field, stay healthy, you mix in a little bit of Blackshear is completely different back than that, and then you know maybe some Marco Lee on some short downage uh, or short yardage situations. You know, I think um, I think this running back group. You know, everybody wants to point to the number of backs we have on the team, but. If you look at the top three, four guys, I think there's a lot of talent there. Um, and it's just about how we use these guys and package them up. But I think uh, one of the challenges we've seen under Fuente, if you take Herbert out and, you know, I think uh, McMillan was the only other 1,000-yard back under Fuente back in 2016, or maybe it was 2017. Um, you know, he uh, w- we seem to really struggle with the rotation of running backs, in this offense and so I hope that isn't uh the challenge that we have this year that can really drive uh drive you crazy when you're watching it but I mean for me Tim I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, agent zero Jalen Holston getting the nod and hopefully taking that uh position by storm
1: yeah I think what I love most about the running back group is the various archetypes that we have as far as running backs go you have the all-around workhorse that runs with a chip on his shoulder and Jalen Holston. You've got Raheem Blackshear who can line up in the slot, play great receiving out of the backfield, gives you some good third down options, um, you know, agility, playmaker. You've got Kashawn King who can be your home run hitter, who's got the potential to take it, you know, to the house anytime he touches it. And then you've got, you know, an absolute truck in Marco Lee. 5'11", 225, 230, something like that, and if pictures do any justice or give you any idea of how someone will perform, I mean, he should just run over everybody, and I love that everyone fits sort of a different niche back there. Now, with that caveat, is the same caveat we've talked about before, we've struggled with getting multiple running backs involved in games, and that's something that has got to change. We've got to be better with nuance and situational, formational play calling. We've got to be able to get the most out of these guys to take advantage of the versatility that we have because this group, I think from a diversity standpoint and the amount of different roles they can play, is well set up to be one of the better running back groups in the ACC. Now, will we see it come to fruition or will we get in our own way? Uh, We'll see, but that versatility is certainly exciting.
0: Yeah, and I really hope Kashawn King figures it out. Um, you know, he's a guy who is his freshman year, he he really showed uh, some potential. He came in as a four-star, and, you know, I think from a talent standpoint, to me, he's probably got the most talent of any running back on our roster. It's oh, yeah. just mentally, can he get there? Can he, for lack of a better term, you know, grow up and – be able to get over whatever it is he needs to get over. So, um, I mean, I'd love for him to uh, break out at some point this season or next, um, but he's a guy who is kind of your wild card. Um, You may see a lot of him and he may kind of burst onto the scene or you may not see anything from him at all. Um, And I mean, he did have a role as a kick returner last year, so that's probably where he fits in uh, primarily to get the season started. But, um, that's just something to watch. But, you know, I think uh, the running back group is deep. Um, we've got some really interesting uh, backs back there, and I think mixed with this offensive line, uh, that's a group that, you know, can hopefully help uh, balance out the offense quite a bit. And if we go over to wide receivers, Tim, I mean, the guy I'm looking forward to seeing the most is is Jaden Payute. I mean, hands down, I couldn't wait to see him last year, and then he broke his ankle Um, But, I mean, this guy, he he looks just like a freak. I mean, just athleticism from every pore in his body. And he's somebody who I expect to see run a lot of over-the-top routes, you know, jet sweeps, be utilized out of the slot quite a bit. And he's really that kind of game-breaker that this offense, again, outside of Khalil Herbert, all roads lead back to Khalil Herbert, um, has lacked um, over the last couple of years, and not to say like Tavian Robinson or Trey Turner can't you know break out a big play, but we haven't had that like super explosive talent on offense that um, can really just kind of change the game. And I, I hope, and I really think that's what Payute can be. Um, I don't know if he'll ever live up to the hype that I have for him. I hope he does, uh, but I'm uh, I'm super excited for this guy, so I can't wait to see him out on the field.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously I'm, I'm right in line with you. It's one of those where we had a lot of expectations for him, injuries got in the way, but he looks the part, you know, athleticism-wise, he's the kind of guy that can really break a game open. Getting the ball in his hands in creative ways is going to be key. Um, you know, he seems like a, an ideal guy to throw on a jet sweep, which I know Corey Nelson is just just trembling at the thought of. Um, you know, and then you got the ability to stretch the field with him. But as far as looks go, I mean, he passes every look test you could ever want, whether it be physically or looking at his athletic profile, his build. Um, you know, he he certainly has the ability to be, you know, an absolute game changer for us. And, you know, throwing that next to obviously who you're gonna get to in Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson, it's easy to see potential here for not just a, you know, a a top three a uh, wide receiving core. But I think the group of guys we have could be one of the best, if not the best in the ACC, if leveraged properly.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, Tavion Robinson to me is probably the Hokies best, most consistent receiver. And that's not meant to be a slight to Trey Turner, but I just think Robinson is more consistent week in and week out. And it's not clear really who's the one or the two, um, but, you know, I like both of those guys, and I really want to see Trey kind of break out and have a big season this year. He had the really nice second half of his freshman year, and it's not that he's had bad years in his sophomore, junior year. It's just he's he's had pretty kind of, you know, mediocre run of the mill, and that's not all on him. I mean, we haven't exactly had, like, explosive uh, aerial attacks uh, or aerial threats of an offense. So, um Hopefully this is the year we can see Trey really kind of break out. Um but it's really just going to be kind of dependent on the offense that's called. Another guy to look out for, Caleb Smith. Uh he's been kind of appointed one of the leaders of the team specifically for the wide receivers group. Um you know, he's one of the guys who tracked pretty high on the GPS test and he's been a guy who's been uh you know, fairly solid. A nice, uh, a nice additional option there for the Hokies in that wide receiver group. So maybe he's somebody who can kind of step up and have a big year as well. Uh, another guy getting a lot of uh, love is Dwayne Lofton. Um, so we'll see kind of what he can do. And then, you know, just of note, shanga Hodge, name we you know remember from last year, transferred over from Villanova. He ended up tearing his ACL in April, so he is uh, not going to be available this year, which is. Um, you know, a little bit of a strike, but overall I think uh the hokies have pretty good depth at this position.
1: Yeah, I mean the depth is where you want it. Um, you know, it, it is one of the more deeper position groups and you know, a, a lot of guys with length, you know, you've got a lot of guys that are really good in the slot, um, a lot of guys that are really good spread offense wide receivers. And you mentioned Tavion Robinson's consistency. I couldn't agree more. That's kind of crucial and you know, missing, I think, you know, for all the the plaudits Trey Turner earns and uh, you know, believe me, he's earned them. Um consistency sometimes is, is an issue there. And, you know, this this could be the year where all those things come together. The other side of that obviously in regards to yes, play calling important, scheming important, coaching important, but, you know, this production of this group's really gonna be tied to can Braxton effectively throw the ball? Which I think is the big question, and you know the the ceiling as far as they're concerned is high as can be, but I also think this is a group that could be disappointing if you know obviously they're restrained by their quarterback. So again, as you mentioned, all roads leading to Khalil Herbert and some of the things that you were talking about earlier, uh, you know on the offensive side of the ball, all roads lead back to Braxton Burmeister and what are you going to get out of him? Um, But I, I think if you're Braxton, you know you're looking at this breakdown of the tailbacks. This breakdown of the wide receivers, um, and you got to say he's positioned for success because we've been through two position groups now, and I think the key that sticks out to me is depth in a way that it hasn't in years past. Um, there's a lot of depth in the backfield and on the outside of this team.
0: Yeah, and then if we move over to tight ends, I mean, I think you have your best offensive player there in James Mitchell, maybe the best player on your football team, no doubt. Um. He's a guy who tested the NFL draft waters last season, decided to come back, um, which is a huge boost for the Hokies. I think um, you know, he's a guy who's on most, you know, preseason watch lists. Um, he's a big part of this offense. He can, you know, run the ball, he can catch the ball, he can play punt return, he can probably play quarterback if we wanted him to. Um, but he's a guy who He's essentially like the security blanket of the offense. If you need a good play, it always seems like James, James Mitchell can come up and, and give you that big play. So he is just kind of an extension of the wide receiving group. And then if you look over to a guy like Nick Gallo, Gallo's a guy who I think can really kind of take on more of the uh, H-back role this season. That that was the position to me that kind of like was missing last year that yeah. we have traditionally seen in a Fuente offense. It was Sam Rogers, then it was Dalton Keene, and – you know, last year Keane had gone pro. Unfortunately, if you haven't seen, Keane is out for the season this year. Um, but, you know, Gallo is a guy who has shown flashes. Um, and he's going to be more of your kind of blocking type tight end. And one of those guys who probably isn't going to jump off the page you use statistically, at least this season. That's not a – the H-back position is not a, a uh, statistic uh, – a statistically sexy position, uh, but it's it's pretty critical to the way that the offense runs, uh, especially this one. So, uh, I'm excited to see Gallo. I think he's a guy who has shown some flashes, and you know, overall this tight end group, I'm, um, you know, James Mitchell, Nick Gallo. If those guys can stay healthy, I think they're going to be one of the the best tight end groups in the ACC.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could certainly see it. Uh, you know what you're getting with James, and and like you, I think the H back is such an You know, it's an unheralded position, but it's one that's so critically important to a highly functioning uh, spread offense. In this case, the the Fuente offense from a blocking perspective, especially. Um, But, you know, on the offense's side, the H-back gets and finds himself in a lot of mismatches. And there are some tricky routes that you can run from that H-back that can really catch the defense off guard. And like you, I mean, that was one of the positions last year that was just a black hole. And it's strange when you look back on it you know, you you can't recall huge plays coming from that H back position like you could in years past, and I think that's one position that if Gallows able to anchor down and really understand that role, he could be quite impactful as well. Um, and you, you can't say enough about James Mitchell. I mean, the guy is just athletically speaking so impressive for a tight end. Can do so much, such a good blocker for a guy that is such a good receiver of the ball. Um, yeah, I mean Shabest has a great group and you know, I'm excited to just see those boys play and uh capitalizing on that H back, solidifying that H back again moving into this year, gonna be absolutely crucial.
0: So if we jump over to the offensive line, certainly uh the last group we'll talk about, but not the least, I think this group is gonna be pretty solid. And you know, uh obviously the departures of Brian Hudson and Doug Nestor, I mean, it it sucks. Um Nestor was quoted uh recently in a uh some kind of outlet. I don't know I don't remember where it was that I saw it, but you sent it to me earlier today, Tim. Um talking about why he left and he felt like he wasn't getting coached up and it's just kind of the opposite of anything you hear about Vance Vice. I think the biggest thing uh for Nestor was probably and he mentioned this that he didn't like the rotation. Uh but to me he just went full West Virginia and he is uh probably looking forward to that matchup in, what is it, week week three Virginia Tech plays them. Um but, you know, those guys were two surefire starters. I mean, let's let's not um let's not overlook that. So what I will say, the line still, it you know, it doesn't lack size. It doesn't lack exper- experience. You, you know, you've got Terrell Smith, who is 25 years old, entering <laughs> year seven, which is insane. Yeah. Um, And I think he's running with the ones right now. So that's that's interesting, and then you've got an experienced uh, Silas Zanzi who he started in the past. He's had some pretty bad struggles against kind of those speed ed- ru- edge rushers. Um, and so if he can get that together, you know maybe he's somebody who can compete. You've got a, a young guy in uh, Parker Clements who's six seven. He's only two hundred and sixty five pounds. Um, I think he's still kind of growing into that massive body, but. You know, he's probably somebody who's going to compete at that right tackle position. And where Virginia Tech is really strong is on that interior of the line. You've got Brock Hoffman, obviously, who he's a fan favorite. He's cemented at center. You know, I did find myself frustrated with him at times, uh, more than I'd like to be frustrated with an offensive lineman. And, you know, it has nothing to do against Brock Hoffman. I, I felt the same way about Wyatt Teller, where, you know, they'd make these stupid penalties or just kind of bonehead penalties, personal fouls, holdings, you know, whatever it may be. Um, specifically personal fouls for Brock cause he gets into it, you know, he's, he's feisty, which yeah. you'd love to see in your center, but I hope he can kind of reel those emotions in this year and not, you know, hurt the team with, with just stupid fouls. Um, so, you know, he's somebody I'm looking forward to. I think he probably, you know, is, is a Knicks caliber level player. You've got Lasita Smith, who, again, probably another NFL caliber guy who is just going to be locked into one of those interior guard spots. Um, and between, you know, Smith and Hoffman, those two guys have 69 combined college starts. So that's a lot of experience there yeah. on the interior of your line. And then you throw in Luke Tenuta, who... Again, he's probably the biggest offensive lineman Virginia Tech's ever had. Six foot nine. He just keeps growing. 322 pounds. Like, yeah. that's insane. It like, is. How is Burmeister going to even throw it to the left? How can he get it over him? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's I, – I I would think Tanuta's locked in at the left tackle. Um, big shoes to fill uh, replacing Derisaw, who's obviously uh, on to uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, but he's had a couple of years to get ready. So this is a group I'm looking forward to, Tim. I think um, my biggest concern with the group is that right tackle position. Um, you know, you've you brought in a guy in Johnny Jordan who uh, started 16 games in Maryland. He was an all Big Ten honorable mention, which... I mean, a lot of great offensive linemen in the Big Ten, so that's not a uh, accomplishment to to overlook there. So I think he's a guy who can definitely contribute, but he's probably on the interior of that line. Oh, so for sure, for Given me, hype, the yeah. biggest weakness is is right tackle. That's the biggest question mark for this group.
1: Yeah, it is, and luckily there's a lot of depth and a lot of guys with the physical traits needed to be successful there. Um, you know, you love the experience. Vance Vice has proven. Um, I believe, since he's been here, that he can put a good offensive line together. You know, I think Tanuta's interesting in the fact that he's kind of got your prototypical rangy, lengthy uh, size that you want out of your left tackle. Can keep some speed rushers in front of him with his arms. Doesn't necessarily have to do as much from a speed perspective. Although, given his size and the fact that he's not an overly large human, I guess you want to say he is from a, a stature standpoint, but he's certainly um, not what you would think of as a typical, you know, I don't want to say fat, but, you know, uh, a large offensive lineman. He's a guy that can carry uh, his weight well and can move pretty well. You know, it, it's intriguing. I, th- I think left tackle is going to be set. I think that's going to be good. I think the interior of the line is going to be especially strong with the <clears throat> Maryland transfer that you mentioned, as well as obviously Brock. And, and, you know, you alluded to it, Brock needs to clean it up. You love to see an offensive lineman with a mean streak. And playing with that edge is, is what makes him so good, but it can't deter from the success of the team. And and we saw it multiple times last year where it did, and he drew attention to himself in a bad way. And so, you know, the officials coming out are going to be looking at Hoffman on just about every play, um especially after the whistle, just to make sure that he's keeping it clean because he's got kind of a reputation now, Um, you know, so that's going to be important for him to keep in check just because he's going to get called for any little thing that he does. Um, But you know, you mentioned some of the age there, um, you know, some of the experience and, and I think in, in on the line more so than anywhere else, I think experience shines and it's almost more important than every other position Um, to have that experience and luckily we have that in spades that that can bode well but this unlike the other position groups this is one with the loss of Darisaw, with right tackle kind of being up in the air a bit of a question mark and just kind of the overall composition of the line where there are kind of a, a million different ways you could see this you know from left tackle to right tackle playing out where there's just a little bit of question marks potential to be a good group Um, But, you know, given the unknowns, there is kind of the potential that we could see some regression there. Um, And with a quarterback like Braxton, who we have to keep clean, given the depth chart, we're just really going to need to see good play out the gate from the offensive line. And, uh, you know, I think that's especially the first game. That's something I'm going to be watching for as far as gelling cohesiveness and how effective they are, especially in pass blocking, Um, you know, given the question mark, at right tackle. Uh, that, that's really what I'm going to be looking at because given the interior of that offensive line, um, I expect to see a pretty strong run game out of these guys, not only because of the interior being strong, but just the type of nasty blockers we have on that interior. Um, that pass protection is going to be uh, something we're going to have to make sure that we get right from the jump.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. So, I mean, that that pretty much wraps up the offense. It's, uh, it's a group that, you know, my expectation as a Virginia Tech fan is they should be pretty solid. You know, I I think it's uh it's a group that's going to have to be solid in order to um win the number of games that I think is, is going to be required to maintain the Fuente era. And you know, I don't I don't know what the magic number for you is, Tim, but I feel like eight wins and Fuente moves into next year relative with relative ease, I think six and it's going to be a challenge. And I think seven is that borderline anything can happen. And it's, it may kind of hinge on recruiting and to see kind of where Virginia tech is at if the class is maintained. But so that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. It was great to uh, jump back into it, break down the offense uh, next, we're going to talk about the defense. So that's going to be our next episode and uh, a few more things to kind of uh, discuss there. Maybe not as a uh, cut and dry at a certain uh, or certain position. So that'll be fun to talk about as well. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're Chowder and Grits. Again, the podcast for Virginia Tech and ACC Sports. If you could just do us one thing. If you could tell anybody you know. If you enjoyed the show about this podcast and tell them to listen, shoot them a link. Um, and then leave us a rating preferably five stars Um, i think that's what tim likes to see that's what i like to see Um, if you have to leave four you know we'll accept that Um, really anything otherwise just shoot us a direct message and tell us you know what you thought we don't we don't need to see that in the ratings so appreciate the feedback nonetheless but uh go check it out and uh you know that is a new logo that you're seeing so don't don't be confused. We are still the old new chowder and grits. So appreciate you listening and uh, talk to you guys next week.
1: See ya.